Take your Bibles tonight and join me in Philippians chapter 4, please. For the 48th and final time in our series. We began this series in December of 2020. The average price of a gallon of gasoline was at least 55% lower. But after December 2020, something drastic happened the next month. It's been crazy ever since. I'll let you figure out what happened the next month. Let's begin tonight, Philippians chapter 4, by reading verses 19 through 23. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So remember, leading up to verse 19, Paul thanked these Philippians for their financial sacrifices in support of him. And it all began when he departed Thessalonica. They supported him there, he said, time and again, or once and again was his words. But then somewhere along the line, that support had dried up. And now Paul in Rome, he's receiving support from them. He told them, it's not that I desire a gift, but my desire is that fruit would abound to your account. Those who Paul reached, as a result of those who supported him, they were having fruit added to their account. Because of their financial support now, when this is written, Paul is able to live in a rented house while awaiting trial for two years. He's able to be in, a, in some sort of an apartment or house Instead of being locked up in a dungeon somewhere, he's got some creature comforts because of people giving, which obviously was a huge blessing. We covered last week that people were able to come and visit him. Uh, He wasn't restrained in what he could say and who would come and go. And he was teaching and preaching the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ. In addition to that preaching, though, those that he was reaching during that time, he also was able to pen Philippians. Colossians, Ephesians, and a letter to Philemon. And just think of the fruit still being added to their account. We're still drawing from these letters, amen? We're still using these to learn from and to benefit from. We have all these great truths that were written as a result, and we know God could have found other ways, but as history has laid out, I mean, because He was able to be in this kind of comfort, instead of being in a very you know, a much worse off situation, he's able to write these letters under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And so there's so many great verses in these letters that we're still using today to help lead people to Christ. It's just amazing to me. We we never know what the impact is going to be sometimes. I mean, we're using verses like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Somebody gave. The Apostle Paul got to minister. We're still using Colossians 1. Well, we're using them all. We're still using Colossians 1, verses 20 through 22. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. By Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled in the body of His flesh through death, 
to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. And we can go on and on citing all the great verses we have because somebody supported the Apostle Paul. Listen, we're supporting missionaries all over the world. Praise God. Sometimes we don't hear much that's going on. I mean, we hear from them, but we don't know. Maybe somebody's being reached for a future generation. We just never know the, the full scope of the impact. And so we just need to stay faithful. Amen. We might see results now. We might not. But I'm not judging a missionary based on how much uh, he can say he led to the Lord. If I'm going to do that, then Noah was a failure. So we just need to stay faithful in our giving. And, and as we do, fruit will abound to our account. We need to stay faithful in our giving. Why? Paul said it's a sweet-smelling savor. It's an odor of a sweet smell. And so this rises up before God. It's well-pleasing to Him. God is pleased with us when we sacrificially give to propagate the gospel message to the world. And once we give, no matter the, the visible results that we can see now, we have to trust God is always at work. And His Word is going to accomplish that which He hath sent it to do. And so we just keep giving. How much fruit's being added to your account? Are you giving to support missions? Now, for the record, I believe the Bible teaches you give your tithe to your local church, and then you go above that to give to missions. Now, as we begin tonight, there's no way I could have uh, planned to land on this passage when we were paying $2 and something per gallon. But in light of our current economic situation, how timely that we've landed on verse 19 tonight. Look at what it says again. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I think we can agree it's by God's design that we are being reassured of His ability to provide for His own tonight. We are in the midst of an accelerating inflation rate which is affecting the majority of Americans. It's affecting everybody, but it's affecting some more than others. Gas prices are at record levels. And who do you think those increased costs to ship are going to be passed on to? (laughs) The consumer. I could give all kinds of stats that would thoroughly depress us if we didn't believe in verse 19. I mean, we could cite all kinds of stuff. Oh, man, it's so hopeless. No, no, no. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We need to have faith in this verse and other verses like it. We need to understand God will take care of His own no matter the economic condition of a nation. Now, our missions conference is in six weeks. We're going to be challenged to give more towards missions. What perfect timing. Stretch your faith. You say, I I can't. Can God supply your needs? If you don't have faith in God's ability to provide, then you'll be tempted to think you can't even continue to give what you're currently giving, much less give more towards missions. But I want to tell you that our God is able to meet every single need that we have when we place Him first. The problem in American culture is what we define as a need. What we perceive as a need. 
the average, this blows my mind because, well, first of all, Adrian does all the shopping in the house. So whenever I go look at something, I'm like, when did it start costing that much? She's like, well, it's been that way for years. <laughs> really? It costs that much to grill a steak? <sighs> is that a need? <laughs> in my house, it is. Amen. <laughs> it's a need. Praise God. Anyway, I'm way off track. The average, the average monthly payment for a new car is $600 a month. That blows my mind. Now, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong if you're paying that. I'm just telling you what the average is. That just seems like an awful lot to me. I don't know if it does to anybody else. But is that new car a need? Can you get by with a cheaper new car or a cheap used car? What is the need? You see, the need is to get from point A to point B. Not necessarily to get from point A to point B in style. They see me rolling. They hating. <laughs> After Sydney was born, Adrian quit her job. That was fun transition. Um, I try to tell every young couple, please learn to live off of one income because the day may come when you want your wife to stay home. And now you have the bills of two incomes, which we did. <laughs> anyway, she stayed home and as an E5 with three kids and later on an E6 with four kids. Uh, some of my coworkers would marvel that we were able to live in Rapid City with a family of five and then six with only one income. They, they knew what I made. They jokingly accused me of dealing drugs. <laughs> and when they would question, how is it possible for you to do this? And obviously I would give God the glory and say, when you honor the Lord, He takes care of you. Yeah. But in addition to that, I would point out and say, do you see that $500 Honda sitting out there? That's what I drive. Not 500 a month. This was a $500 car. And I loved it. But I would also tell them, look, my wife's not materialistic. She's not got a lot of bling and stuff. I mean, listen, and, and my children, they were happy if we just went and played in the woods. We, we didn't have a fancy house. Now, we bought a nice house right before I became an officer. And then everybody really did accuse me of dealing drugs. But then the Petrakos bought that house and I lost it. But, um, so they must be dealing. They were providing. Amen. Uh, I'm just saying this. God met all of our needs. And then some. I could give you example after example of how the Lord has been so good to our family. Um, he's gone exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. And by the way, we always tithe and we always gave to missions and we always gave to love offerings. And I think that's important. It's critical you put God first if you expect Him to meet your needs. And He will meet the needs of those who put Him first in their life. I give you all that just to say, sometimes verses like verse 19 are only profitable when you have a right perspective on what a need is. A bigger house may not be a need. A newer car may not be a need. More clothes may not be a need. Going out to eat is not a need. Vacationing is not a need. Praise God if you're able to. 1 Timothy 6, 8, I know we read these over the last few weeks and when we talked about learning contentment. 
1 Timothy 6, 8, and having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. If your needs are met tonight, be content. When Jesus taught us to pray, he told us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. He also said, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Our needs then are our food, our water, and our clothing. But in America, we have such a messed up view of what a need is. Are your needs being met? Then anything else you have above that is a blessing. Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Jesus said we're more valuable than the birds. They don't have barns. They don't have refrigerators. They don't have storehouse. And yet, they're going to be moving into the area here pretty soon, at least out where we live. It won't be long till I see our first robin, and then the meadow larks will come in right on time. Who's taking care of them? God. And God says, you're of more value than them. So why, why worry? The lilies are, are clothed. You're more valuable than the grass, which today is and tomorrow's in the oven. He says, you're more valuable than that. I take care of the birds. You're more valuable than that. And he says, oh, ye of little faith. But this is what he, this is what he says later on after he tells us, don't be worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on. He says this in Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. If you'll put God first, He says, I got it. I will take care of you. Now you may have to be prepared to change your lifestyle. But He says, I'm going to take care of your needs. In fact, it is so certain God's going to supply our needs. Jesus said, take no thought. That's amazing. You don't even have to think twice about it. I'm going to meet your need. Your need may not be to eat three squares a day. Amen. What is a need? You see, it's all about perspective. For your needs to be supplied according to God's riches and glory by Christ Jesus, and for you to have no concern over needs, no worry, no fretting, take no thought, then you have to seek first the kingdom of God. And that's where many get off course. Because when you're not seeking first the kingdom of God, you're starting to lose sight of what really is a need in your life. How do you know that? Because that's the one needful thing you should be doing and you're not doing it. So you can't just sit around and do nothing and, well, the Lord's going to send the raven. No, listen, you've got to seek God. You've got to be in His Word. You've got to honor God with what you do have. 
And if you do, we have his promise. All your needs will be met according to his riches and glory. Malachi 3, verses 10 and 11, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. What an amazing promise. God's supply is bottomless. His well never runs dry. He said the silver and the gold is His. He said the cattle on a thousand hills is His. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns it all. There's no need that God can't supply. Therefore, I'm left to conclude that if there's something we feel is a need, but God is not supplying it, then it's not a need yet. For example, I have been praying for a church facility for six years. Earnestly praying for at least three. When I became pastor, I told our deacons, if we're not in a new facility in five years, I'm going to be disappointed. And here we are six years later. I've expressed to you before, I think this is a need. But here we are. No new facility. So based on verse 19, I'm left to conclude God doesn't feel it's a need yet. As a result, we, or maybe just me, <laughs> it's probably for me tonight, I guess, but listen, we should learn to be content, content with such things as we have. I know it's not from a lack of praying that we don't have a new building. I have prayed, I have fasted, I have had some emotionally charged heart-to-hearts with God. I've sat in my office with our deacons and I've wept over the perceived need. I've even entertained getting alone. So much so, I went and spoke to preacher about it one day a couple months ago. I told him some things that I won't get into tonight. But I'm just being transparent with you. This is how heavy this has been on my heart. I'm not saying we would ever do that. I'm not sure it's ever right. We operate on a debt-free basis, but um, we couldn't afford it even if we wanted to. Amen. God keeps saying, not yet. And I keep saying, God, how can this not be a need when people don't have anywhere to park? How can this not be a need when people walk in and they see nowhere to sit and they walk out? Obviously on Sunday morning. <laughs> Lord, how is it that our classrooms are too full and, and it's not a need? I, I don't understand. How can it not be a need when people are starting to complain? Matthew 9.36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And my heart breaks. Lord, Rapid City is expanding like crazy. The new bombers coming in in a couple years, and here we are. And God, through these years, has constantly brought me back to verse 19. And it's, it's as if I can hear God saying, I'll decide when this is a need. Not you. And when I decide it's a need, I'll supply all your need according to my riches and glory through Christ Jesus. But until then, 
it's not a need. Am I the only one that struggles with things? Listen, we shouldn't despise our building. I know it's, it's not much. But to be discontent with God's provision is to suggest God isn't meeting our need. You know, it's because we have this Americanized view of everything. Brother Petraca went to the Philippines a couple years ago. There's no man space. Breck, your knee would be touching mine. And it's like that in most places in the world. But we want our SUVs, we want our big churches, we want our wide seats, we want all this. Um, you know, until we get another facility, we should be thrilled God has given us what He has. We must be content with what we have and recognize God's goodness now. Like I said, that's probably for me right here, but we may not have the resources yet, but I know God does. He's able to supply every need. And I constantly remind myself that Jesus bled and died for the church. I didn't. And if He bled and died for it, He sure cares about it a lot more than I do. And for that reason, we just need to trust. The church is His bride. He is our sacred head. We are His flesh. Ephesians 5. He'll take care of the need. Well, let's bring it back to our, our text here. I've got to finish these verses. Um, it's hard to conclude a series, amen? This is the part I hate, winding one down. Um, probably could have broke this up into two, but the Philippians here were not forgetful of the needs of God's servant, and so God wasn't going to forget their needs. Matthew Henry wrote, he wrote this as if Paul was speaking. He wrote, He shall do it not only as your God, but as my God, who takes what is done to me as done to himself. You supplied my needs according to your poverty, and he shall supply yours according to his riches. End quote. That's good. My building frustrations aside, I know God has met every one of our needs. Amen? We've taken on staff by faith in the past. God's met every one of those needs, even when we didn't have the means. God met every need when we acquired the press. The key is not to get ahead of God and is to wait for His time. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He hath made everything beautiful in His time. Now the last four verses here, verses 20 through 23, it says, Now unto God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So we'll move quickly through these. Um, verse 20, we see all glory belongs to God. He is our heavenly Father. Ephesians 3.21 says, Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And so all glory tonight belongs to Him. It was God who gave the Philippians the ability to give to Paul. It was God who laid it on their heart to give. And so it was God as a good father who was not only meeting the needs of the Apostle Paul, but was going to meet the needs of the Philippian church. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, my favorite passage. 
Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. We have nothing to boast of in of ourselves, but all of our boasting is in who God is and in knowing Him. And the end of verse 20 says that He should have glory forever and ever. You might as well start glorying Him now if you're going to heaven. Listen, we'll all be shouting up there. I can't wait, amen. God will be glorified throughout all eternity. So get used to it. Verse 21, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. To salute really means to enfold in your arms, to embrace. And so we need Christian unity. We've covered this throughout this letter. We need to be unified. We need to love one another. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. Not just the ones you like the best. But all the saints. Salute them. Embrace them in Christ Jesus. How sad that many times we remain at odds at other believers. Why is it we can show more compassion and kindness to the sinners outside of here than we can for those within the church? We ought to embrace those within the family of God. You're going to have differences with other believers, but it doesn't mean you have to avoid or shun them the rest of your life. So take the high road and salute them. Embrace them. Romans 12.10, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. And I wish some preachers in our independent Baptist circles could get a hold of this thought. We won't have anything to do with you because you're not a carbon copy of us. We don't care if you're in Christ or not. We can't salute you. Well, let's expand that further outside of the independent Baptist movement. Did you know our fight isn't with the church down the road that's still preaching the gospel? I know they don't do things quite the way we do, but hey, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. You can still salute them without compromising. The point is we should be able to greet other saints in Christ. And if there are saints you have something against, then your heart's not right with God. Get that right between you and God. And then you and the other party. Verse 22, an amazing verse here. We could do an entire sermon right here. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The Caesar at this time in history was Nero. He was one of the most wicked men who ever lived. He had his mother killed. He may have had his stepbrother killed. He had his first wife, Octavia, killed. His second wife, Sabina, sorry Sabina, reportedly died due to him kicking her in the stomach while she was pregnant with her second child. He married his third wife after forcing her husband to commit suicide. He had a young boy who was a former slave castrated and then married him because he favored one of the women that he had married before. He also married a man who was a free slave and Nero took on the role of the bride. What's happening today is nothing new. He was the Caesar in power when the great fire of Rome burned for six days and to reflect the blame upon himself that he was receiving, he blamed Christians for it. 
and he used it as an occasion to kill Christians. He would have them sewn in animal skins and fed to the wild animals. He would dip them in pitch, put them upon a pole to light up his palatial garden when he was having his parties, nasty parties. Probably enough said there, I hope you get it. And yet, even in the midst of such a wicked man, there were saints in Caesar's household. (laughs) Now, household can mean both his family and his administration. Either way, people were being saved. They were worshiping the one true God in the midst of a perverse and crooked nation. You see, God's word is not bound. He is able to save to the uttermost. Our day is becoming increasingly more wicked. But we can still make a difference in somebody's life by pointing them to Christ. He came to save sinners and He's no respecter of persons. He will save any who will call upon Him. So don't look at the wickedness of our day and think all hope is lost. Well, you know, preacher, it's the last days. It's going to wax worse and worse. Well, let me give you something to think about. When that was written, it was far worse than it is now. So how much worse is it going to get? Even back then in the first century, as bad as it was for these Christians, churches were being established throughout the Roman Empire and beyond. People were being saved, baptized. Yeah, they were being persecuted and killed. But God was using that persecution to grow them and to multiply them. And the Word of God, the Bible says throughout the book, of it increased, it multiplied. Thousands were being reached, even in the midst of such wickedness. It does not matter the regime. God is mighty to save. So what are we hiding the message from? That our feelings might get hurt? Finally, verse 23, as we close out tonight. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So Paul prays for God's grace, His free favor to be their portion. And he closes with amen, which is to say he has no doubts, that he is confident and that he trusts that it was going to be as he prayed. Amen. There's nothing wrong with saying amen. So listen, I hate trying to end end series. I can never do it well. Trust God. He'll meet every need. Give the message of God. He can save any sinner. Let's pray.